Welcome to Film Grain, the official podcast of the Film Society of Northwestern Pennsylvania and the Greater Erie Film Office. Thanks for listening this week. I'm Erica Berlin, the Executive Director of the Film Society of Northwestern PA. I'm John Lyons, filmmaker, teaching artist, and director of programming for the Film Society. And this week we have special guests on the podcast, the partners of Oddity Productions, Danny Pakulski, Simon Yan, and Liam O'Brien. Oddity Productions is a video production company based in Erie, PA. And today we'll be discussing their new film, Alexander the Brain. Welcome, Danny, Simon, and Liam. Yeah. Good excited to be here. Yeah. Woohoo. Woohoo. So, why don't you tell us a little bit about the genesis of Oddity Productions? Um, I suppose I'll take this one. Oddity started in 2017, I believe. Um, as as a way to sort of, sort of uh, as a way for Liam and I to make money while also doing something that isn't flipping burgers or driving Ubers or whatever you know whatever you do to make money. Um, so that's sort of how it started, and it, it definitely was from its conception meant to be something that's not just commercial but also creative. So it was going to be the outlet through which we would make our films. Yeah, so and then. On the whole, um, I had started my time at Rochester Institute of Technology studying film production and motion picture science, and uh, Danny and I had collaborated on a few projects leading through high school, and I tried to bring back the technical knowledge and uh, skills from RIT back to Oddity as well. And in 2020, when we all got together and we were sitting down, we are like, wait a minute, got the creative mind we've got the technical mind we've got the business mind which is me it was the perfect <laughs> it was the perfect pairing i guess of of specialties and since we're such good tight collaborators and friends and now partners uh it just made sense that we, uh, we could each take on those roles and and try to build something that hopefully could have a bigger impact than just in our own lives talk about the name oddity real quick what's the genesis of the name the name oddity um it was going to be a few things at first i i I think I wanted Dazed and Confused uh, originally, which is like a Led Zeppelin song, and then also just like certain, yeah. The Linklater um, film. Yeah. Um, that sort of felt like maybe it wouldn't go over too well as far as trying to find some commercial projects and not, you know, maybe being taken too seriously, but I still wanted something creative, so Oddity was sort of a second choice, and that comes from the David Bowie song, Space Oddity. Um, and David Bowie, for me, is someone who's like, doesn't, take no for an answer if he has an artistic vision if he has a you know creative intent nothing will stop him from doing that and I, I think that's definitely important to us as well um and then sort of the idea of like space and yeah and traveling and to where like the new is th this idea of like infinity and i think there's you know something cool in there so i think you probably are the definition of young entrepreneurs <laughs> so um and i think For there's now. a lot of well i i think there's a lot of younger um people who kind of sit around and think like i don't know what to do with my life and maybe they're held back by by a lack of confidence but you don't seem to have that problem so what really gave you the inspiration to to kick off your careers um while you were still in school, because um, two of you are still in school. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Correct, yeah. I think, um, I think we've all been naturally just leaning towards something that we have more um, ability to make, I guess, 
our own and make uh, something that we're proud of. So in the sense that, um, you know, we've always, I think each of us have always had an entrepreneurial drive from a young age. I know I definitely, since high school, I, I knew I wanted to be a business owner of some kind. Um, and Simon and Danny both being in the arts, I think, um, you know, it's always better to make your own art, I suppose. Yeah, I, w- I would say that through through all of our educations and uh, life experience, experiences up to this point, we've been able to really see, catch glimpses of the way like larger um, organizations operate and how films are made, like you know, individually going very deep into that making process and now have the incredible itch to like be on the like d- decision-making ends of those creating processes. So, you know, for myself... Um, it was a lot about, okay, I get to work with these, um, learning these technologies, these workflows, but I'm not really finding a creative outlet to use them in. So I needed to look outside of school to get that like level of involvement and attention. Um, and then, you know, you could say for, you know, Danny, maybe it's like it was, there's, there was just no other option as well, you know? Yeah. Um, there, I, no, I, I think I've said this already like a number of times, maybe even on the other podcast I was on, but there was only two things I ever wanted to be, and one of them was a paleontologist because I love dinosaurs, and then number two was filmmaker. So the films were always <laughs> going to happen. It was sort of inevitable, you know, because I've, I've been doing films in one form or another. It was like YouTube videos at, when they first started um, since I was like 10 years old or something. So really oddity was just kind of giving it a name. Um, yeah, and then bringing my friends together. So, <laughs> a lot of times in filmmaking, um, you know, it feels like you're living out on an island on your own, and maybe naively, it takes us a while to figure out that it's um, not something that you can do on your own. It's a collaborative art form. Uh, I feel that a lot of us still in the area are, you know, when we start out, we feel like we should wear all the hats and do everything alone like was it important to you all from the start um to kind of leapfrog that that learning curve um and and start out as a team as a tight-knit core um and do you have any advice for filmmakers that might be you know just starting out and listening to this um you know about the importance of of finding their team yeah i think um i think like you said wearing multiple hats you know you know two brains are better than one always. And if you have people that are dedicated to their specialty and especially if it's something that they're in love with, like I handle a lot of the production aspects of, of our projects and I love that sort of stuff. I love the organization. I love the, being on top of it with every department and making sure everyone's working well together. And so for me, that's like a role that I really enjoy doing, enjoy trying to get better at. So it's really not even work in that sense. It's just something that I, I get to do. And I'm, I'm you know, fortunate to do. Um, and then same for Danny and Simon. I mean, they love their roles and they get to do it and they, you know, get to continually improve on that. And on bigger projects, even having more people that we don't work with every single time come together and start, you know, a a relationship working together, being able to pass off things to those people. At first, I think it was, it was hard maybe for me even to, to say, Hey, can you go do this? Can you go do that? But now it's something that it's so great to be able to give people opportunity to add their own creative input into it and to add their own spice and make it make it something good you know um and that's been really important i think definitely a a key aspect that we always 
like talk about is like motivating people to be like ready to give their best to whatever project we're working on and going back to like your point about collaboration like any of our films would not be possible without collaboration on any level it's like you know whether it's finding the right person that's like willing to let you come onto their property and film on the location or if it's you know getting an actor to like spend the time to learn your lines and like perform in front of the camera like there there's there are certain aspects of film that can be like singular but it also is just so much less fun like it's a big part of like what makes doing the work enjoyable is like working meeting people of new uh um, disciplines and like how how does how does their work um, make sense to them? You know, I I actually I remember having this epiphany a little bit on, on a, when I was a PA on Unearth. Actually, we were like um, we had been shooting out on a farm for a few days, and it was like going to um, a pizza parlor where we like completely took over the pizza parlor for for a while. And I was like, you know. I probably would never have stepped in the like the back area of a pizza parlor if it wasn't for filmmaking and it's all through like you know finding the people to collaborate to get you there <laughs> there was a lot of weird things we did on, on earth <laughs> for no reason <laughs> well no f for filmmaking but you you do them uh for that reason that you wouldn't do them you know yeah you wouldn't just you, do you would never have another <laughs> reason to be in that space yeah film gets you learn in, anything into, about that into weird places yeah and i think we also like to talk about the idea of a justice league too so no, like there's a there's a job that maybe Batman can do well, but Superman would not be so good at. That's sort of what we're at um, as a team. You know, I I can operate camera, but not as well as Simon. So you know, let him do the Batman. I'll do Superman, and then Liam does Wonder Woman. So uh, we're all set. <laughs> he brings Love the it. truth out. Um, so yeah, I think that team that team eff effort is really important, and you know. It, find some buddies find some buddies that are, have passion and i've never watched a good film that wasn't about humanity so i mean if, if you're making movies you're making them about people so you know put people on them so let's talk about films a little bit what was your first film project well i guess there's like different levels because like i said um danny and i had worked in like really mm -hmm. It intro, let's call them introductory films in in high school, uh, leading up to graduation. But I guess like our first like larger project that we were all we all were involved on was were you involved on Brad Doc? Yeah. So yeah, Brad Doc then because mm. I did post work on that. Yeah. So yeah, I would it was uh Danny's um documentary A Life in Paint um. That was who our first, was, like, official. Who was the artist that that was about? Brad Lethaby. He's um he's currently in Girard. He does really beautiful like impressionist paintings of, uh like nature and stuff like that. Yeah. What was the like time frame of that like? Um, that was like, as the company was sort of being created. That was sort of. The first. Like, that was the first thing. I mean, we had to put like a logo, and it was like, okay, time to make a company <laughs> for the movie. You know. <laughs> um so that was that was cool yeah so that that would have been the first you know oddity project ever would be mm -hmm. that half hour documentary all right so you did that and then you're like all right it's time to make the next big Excellent. movie all right <laughs> um, and then so so alexander the brain that's what we're here to talk about today so where did it come from how did you come up with it 
did one day Danny come in and go like, I've got it. He punched I, I, Liam in the face. And, I yeah. <laughs> Let me tell you something, Liam. What? <laughs> you know, inspiration comes from many places. <laughs> um, I would say it started with an ice dunk, and it literally you, did. <laughs> oh my gosh! An ice dunk is um, on a, on a budget. It is grabbing a big trash can that can fit a human body. Um, you get about ten bags of ice. From Burger, um, King. Burger King is is a cheap place to get your ice from. Mm -hmm. And then you take your, your big trash can, you put your ice in there, and then you fill it with water. And then you sit in it for approximately two minutes or longer if possible. So um, <laughs> we were doing this uh, because of Wim Hof, and we were doing, like, uh, I guess it's good for your body, but also good for your mind and, and all that good, good stuff, like mental toughness. Um, but our friend Jacob Ames was uh, one of my friends that I met when I worked at Starbucks. And he's just a multimedia artist, uh, filmmaker, or videographer he does all sorts of stuff he's very talented in a lot of different disciplines but that's when danny met him the first time mm -hmm. and danny you were working on it at the, you were working on an idea but it wasn't even atb yet it was I don't, like, I don't even think it was that i think it was just like jake and i were like okay let's try to collaborate on something and that's sort of where that came from um and then jake's such a big peaky blinders fan so it was sort of going to be in that realm and then I had just finished up a, a class on the Civil War, so I was like, this time period is really cool. Let's do something that's sort of in this kind of zone. Um, and yeah. Jake, so Jake had just, at that moment, actually gotten pretty popular on TikTok, getting like 200-some thousand followers, and he was doing a lot of these videos where he would cut, match cut, right? He would like cut mm -hmm. himself into a frame and change his costume and change all sorts of stuff, and he was doing a lot of Peaky Blinder costume match cuts, and those were really popular. I think his first one like that got over a million likes or something like that was a Peaky Blinders theme. Uh, so I think that was another thing that we saw him in the costume and Danny was like, ooh. Yeah, funny. and he has like a look to him, especially. Yeah. I think his little gap in his teeth is like so funny. It's like such a good little piece of his character. And then obviously the mustache is like like a gorgeous, gorgeous piece of facial hair. And he's yeah. also devilishly <laughs> handsome. So yeah. I think that's also <laughs> another th good thing to mention is that like at the time we were also – trying to really expand into meeting a lot of the other young creatives of Erie, Pennsylvania. Like when we were like, oh, okay, we're going to make a company about that's, that's all about filmmaking. It's like, well, what is the, the landscape of filmmaking in Pennsylvania, in Erie? And to, you know, be inclusive of new media like TikTok, like so social media influencing, because um, I believe there is a place for them in the filmmaking um, industry mm -hmm. for sure. So that was also just like a, a, a time period that we were starting to reach out to more, um, you know, creators. similar creators that are trying to make it um, in the Erie area. So, yeah. And then what did you um, find what was the real quick, Simon, what was the what was the ecosystem at that point in your honest opinion? A lot of photographers. Yeah, a lot of a uh, lot of still photography, a lot of um, corporate video work um, and event type of um, content, and it, it was something that like we saw like the potential, and we're not satisfied with the the current state. We were like, we can a like bring our own to this, but also start to like bring other people up with it. Um, and I think that's like something that we will always maintain, uh, mm. but something that is, is really critical for, um, growing the industry. Yeah. Growing. Yeah. There was, um, potential for cultivation, I think is a good way to, 
Yeah. Put it. I mean, so, you don't need to tell John how good Erie is for filmmaking. And <laughs> I mean, how yeah. you know things are way more financially accessible, and there are talented people here, and there's equipment available, and you know all the locations. strong sense of like community and yeah. um, a PA tax credit too. Yeah, exactly. And so <laughs> for those reasons, we th- we just want to see Erie, you know, mature into that type of film industry where it rivals places like Pittsburgh or Cleveland or wherever bigger places even um, to a place where people can know that they can come here from out of town and create a production that is high production value and you know more effective costs basically so well did you take advantage of the tax credit did you use it no i don't think so (laughs) okay (laughs) why don't you tell us what alexander the brain is and what it's about yes so the film Uh, Alexander the Brain, he is a fighter in the 1800s. He's sort of the epitome of uh, growing up in the Civil War era era and sort of post-Civil War era, um, which is, I mean, if you think about it, I mean, there's definitely parallels to to the state of America back then to now. Yeah, but end of Trump uh, presidency into, like, insurrection on the, the January 6th. Like, I was very much in... The timeline of the film. Very divisive period. Yes. Um, so if you think about that and then and then sort of where we were back then, the country was literally split in half. Like the South was like, let's do some fighting right now. And then North is like, all right, got to take care of these guys. Um, so we had an America that was just so so destroyed and, and damaged. And um, the invention of photography, this is the first war that's being photographed. Um, so people in their homes are seeing these these images of, of gruesome graphic violence. So Alexander is someone who grew up during all of that. Um, so so the way he uh, thinks about patriotism and violence and and masculinity all it, it comes from that sort of sort of uh, culture around him. Um, so the film is about uh, that character who has found a way in in a really messed up America to feel powerful. Um, a really unhealthy way to feel powerful, which is fighting. Um, and now he's sort of inspiring other people like him. Um, so there's another character named Charlie who's who's like Alexander, but he hasn't found that sort of way to feel powerful yet. So he, he sees Alexander as an answer. He's sort of like a prophet. So he's going to him looking for that. Um, and then Alexander will sort of show him the ways of the ring. Yeah, it also ties into that very real world of bare knuckle boxing that was like a very like significant cultural movement of uh, the time like you know it's ingrained into our like heads um through cinema and like you know glorification of it but it it was a real a real part of american culture for for many years yeah and then going back to photography and how that ties in um boxing was the first uh or that was the birth of sports journalism was with bare knuckle boxing so it's like why were we as a culture so obsessed with something so you know brutal? Like, why can you can you not like think of baseball faster? It's like, why <laughs> is this why is this the first thing that you thought of as far as like a sporting event? You know, so that's sort of like what the film's about as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's very interesting because um, you know immigrants and working class people, uh, you know, even still a lot the case today um, in competitive sport and and things like that. You know. From all the way back from 
gladiators in the arena, right? Like mm. beating the piss out of each other uh, is, you know, sometimes the easiest way to make a living. Yeah. Um, you know, either that or breaking your back, uh, you know, digging, digging a trench somewhere. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Ter- terrible options. Um, but I, I love the themes. Uh, obviously this is a period film, so I'm very curious uh you know what challenges did you all have um making a period film on a budget and then if you could also comment to how you funded the film uh, as much of that as you want to share sure so it definitely provided some challenges when we were sitting in our pre-production stages and brainstorming oh how's this going to look you know what did they have in the 1800s what did the insides of houses look like but what did the insides of houses for characters like alexander look like you know and that was a pretty fun challenge to overcome but we were lucky that um our main actor jake had an attic that was very old and and rustic and had um you know wood paneling everywhere and and that provided a great starting point and then we did a lot of set design um and then another big thing was the costume design lewis jeremita the owner of primo tailoring was our costume designer and he did a lot of research with danny on you know what did the period have back then as far as men's clothing and you know the classes of society and how did people look um you know and for someone like alexander he you know has the same shirt a lot in the film but part of that's because he doesn't really care about what he looks like he doesn't care about what he wears like he gets blood on his shirt right he doesn't care he's he's here to fight so that was part of it um and funny i just remember now actually we would progressively make the blood on his shirt get worse from the beginning to the end because you know, as he fights it gets, it gets worse um and then for funding we raised just around six thousand dollars for the project through mostly crowdfunding on indiegogo and I mean, you guys, I'm sure, like pushed pr- the post as well, and everyone was reposting locally, and people are very helpful, and the community is really tight here. Um, we also just had some some people that we knew that wanted to just write us a check as well, which was awesome, and we're really grateful for those people. Yeah, I was I was gonna say based on or going off of that, with any film, you're going to have like certain constraints, certain limits, whether they're physical, whether they're like. Um, like manpower of the film you're gonna have like these constraints that then lead into how do we creatively solve that through the actual like writing of the script or like where we're gonna have these locations at and we figured like um it like it would be most effective for us to find existing locations that we could skew like push as far into that vintage um feel um which was actually uh we had quite a few like options that we considered around Erie there there just like happens to be a lot of very like rustic locations um maybe not necessarily like civil war rustic but like uh ones that we could at least start with um and uh we also relied uh, a lot on like the idea of like where these fights would actually be like held because they were technically um illegal a lot of the time so they would they would be held like um in 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 innocuous locations like horse barns or 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 fronts for other locations so that's actually how we landed on where we actually shot our film or our fight scene which was a horse barn um outside in the the fairview area where there's like a lot of actual like um farm owners and like horse barns that that had those like kind of very classical wooden structure without much like modern um giveaways that we could utilize and convert into a real like 
uh, you know, a time period accurate piece. Yeah, they actually had the, like, you can imagine, like, an old carriage with the wheels that are, like, wood, and then it's, like, a, a dot in the middle, and then the, the spikes on the outside, right? And then they had, it was the, the, the property owners is Zook Farms, so we got to sort of give them a little cameo, because it said Zook Farms on the side of the wagon. Yeah. It was, like, a cool, cool little thing yeah. for them, and then also a way for us to get, like, a really cool period uh, prop out of nowhere, like, for free, you know? It was there. Yeah, it started with just, like, a full end of the horse barn, and we were, like, clearing out all the, like, power tools and stuff, and mm-hmm. we were like, wait, some of this stuff is, like, Looks actually good. very, like, period, yeah. uh, you yeah. know, because the, um, uh, they've been going for a long time. Yeah, there. the Halloween decorations had to go, though. That was, like, <laughs> yeah. like We had, like, some skeletons on the ceiling. Cannot, yeah. cannot keep this jack-o'-lantern up. Sorry. <laughs> so you mentioned Peaky Blinders as an inspiration. What other films inspired you? I would say the biggest one is Fight Club. Um, mostly in, definitely in, in, in the, the violence and, and the way it talks about masculinity. Um, so thematically very much similar to that. And I was definitely watching a lot of Fight Club and really loving that movie while, while we were putting the film together. Um, um, I, I could say um, in, in terms of the cinematography and the like action design of the, of the piece, I was really inspired by... Uh, the Kingsman, uh, Secret Service, the the first movie of that uh, series, as well as The Matrix, as well as um, Sherlock Holmes. Sherlock Holmes, uh, um, the first one with Robert Downey Jr. Um, a lot of those, the fi- all those films have like some very strong like man on man act like fight fight sequences <laughs> um, that were like and even like some bare knuckle sequences which also like helped us in terms of choreography and and design so taking a lot of those scenes and and films and watching like what are they doing during this action sequence to keep an audience engaged or add another level um to the storytelling Mm. especially in terms of like you'll see like a uh you know punch camera like moves to follow the punch where it lands and then the punch then comes back and reveals something behind you know you have like multiple layers of action reveal movement where the the camera is another part of that choreography or um intentionally placed so that the choreography is maximized um so that those were some of the films that i took like a lot of inspiration from in terms of how they covered how they told the story through their fighting how did you uh fill out your crew and where'd you find your crew and kind of what were your goals um you know, with your supporting team behind mm. you three? So we really lucked out, I think, in, in how our network grew with this project. And, you know, it started with Jake. And Jake was really good friends with Louis Jeremita, Primo tailoring owner, the wardrobe designer. And he, um, we went to him to talk about wardrobe and show him some stuff. And we're chatting with him. And I, I don't know how it came up, but basically we we're like, do you know anyone that fights? No one that could help us choreograph a fight. And he was like, oh, yeah, my friends are uh, trainers at Three Elements MMA gym downtown. Uh, here are their numbers. So we called Kieran and Eli, and they are uh, fight, you know, 10-plus years of fighting jiu-jitsu. They compete Various in, in Pittsburgh skills, and different yeah. places. They're very, very good. Um, yeah, they doubled as security as well on set, which <laughs> is really helpful. Yeah. 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 Cut costs. There. And they just ate it up. Like, as soon as we <laughs> pitched the yeah. idea to them, they were like, oh, I'm going to go read all these books about bare knuckle boxing and, like, yeah. talk. Yeah, like, <laughs> it's great. They studied it up and, and they did and a then, great job. Yeah, they're just like, so that that was one side of the connection. And then also my uh, some of the camera crew, like, I was uh, able to connect through my RIT 
the film program we have there. We have so many talented uh, DPs, directors, um, crafters of every like stage of production, and like these are people that they really are just itching to do like the best work possible. Like um, especially when it comes to stuff that's outside of school. Obviously, we all we all oftentimes will get like kind of trapped in like oh this is an assignment like this is you know just my my regular work. So like being able to bring some of those people out onto a refreshing like new set that doesn't have some of the same like uh educational and the like grade attachments uh was really uh yeah yeah was really like helped help them come and bring their a-game to the r set as well let me just uh jump in real quick on that because i know i've found uh it challenging to kind of recruit college students, uh, film students sometimes in the local programs because they're so like involved in the classwork and that takes up so much of their time. Do you like, do you have any tips just for anybody that's looking for, you know, people that are eager, uh, like yourselves, but still in school, like to attract them to projects? Did you work I, with professors? I mean, would working with professors help or? I, I think that a key aspect was the like give and take for many of these students they've they've seen me go out of my way to spend like the weekends on their sets and give them that kind of level of work and respect um and also see the quality of work so um part of it is definitely just the camaraderie of being in it with those other college students to get them to want to work on your set where they can like really relate to like what you like what you need and what they've needed in the past um but I think a, lo a lot of the times it's like, get, like, do you have the ability to like push your art, push your skill with this set, or are you just more like filling a function? Like, um, I think that's something that we always try to do, especially when we're bringing in students. It's like we want this to like not only be something you can have like as a reference for your future work, but like some a place that you can actually like improve and like t try those things that you're passionate about. Like I said, that kind of leads back into what I was saying about motivation. It's like when you have somebody that's coming up and they're like excited to like give their all on a set, like that, like if you can nurture that naturally, like that's going to make the best film at the end of the day is when everybody is like that motivated to, to really give it their all. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm just thinking now of, of some of the, uh, some people from Barron, some students there in the in the digit program that are part of the Bold Media Group and also um, that work for Bold C, which is the gear uh, house. And like Joey, for example, Joey Gardner, when they came on one of our sets, and there was he didn't we didn't tell him that he was getting paid. Even we just said, hey, do you want to come help out? And then you know we paid him, but he was just there to learn. He was super super proactive and. Anything we would ask him to do, he would try to do it like world-class level. He would take notes, super detailed notes about the shots and things, and he would help move gear carefully and put it back the way it was. And I mean, certain people just have like a very proactive drive inside of them. And if you see that, make sure they're your best friend. Yeah, I think yeah. a lot of times they'll come to you. You know, it's, it's very clear who wants to be a part of it. I know definitely towards the end of my college career I was less concerned about class and more concerned about film it's like this is where I'm going to put you know I'm going to put my eggs in this basket and not you know class which well, is maybe not the best advice to have on this podcast but <laughs> yeah, uh, the, an another like <laughs> give me advice but I think goes it is important is is money like if you are able to compensate the like students and um, whether it's your PA like bottom 
bottom of the hierarchical like tower if they're getting paid you know you're even more there's less in the way of they're not thinking about anything else other than like oh i'm here to be on the set they're not thinking about like oh man i like wish i was getting more out of this or something yeah but that's obviously you know that's going to be forever the um the battle you have to fight in terms of like do you have the the amount of money to to you know compensate your crew like at a, at a fair rate for multiple days of shooting it can we all know that it can add up really quick um mm -hmm. you got to make it a family yeah that helps and then just make your story cool as hell and people really yeah <laughs> now simon that's interesting you said you had rit students working on your film because RIT being what three hours away in Rochester, but you chose to film in Erie, so you got them to drive here. So why did you choose Erie over Rochester? Uh, definitely the the local connection. Our network is just so much bigger here. Rochester, while not being really an insane hub of filmmaking, does have a lot more like established film and commercial entities there that um, kind of makes it a little less. Uh, like forthcoming when it comes to just like oh this is a new big thing like you have like these levels of productions being produced on a fairly consistent rate especially through the school like the senior thesis films a lot of them uh do gain like fairly you know a couple thousand dollar budgets and uh reach out to local businesses like at a very consistent rate versus here where you know i could probably count on like two hands the amount of films with like budgets over 500 or $5,000 have been made in the last like five years. But so a lot of it was our like local connection. Um, and the fact that the RIT students more like they knew the gear, like they didn't have to like know the location as much or like the, um, some of the more location based aspects, they just needed to know like the, the protocol, the like workflow and like the vision. Erica, I mean, we've got, uh, you know, probably everybody watching and listening to this really excited about the film. Why don't we, before um, we jump into like upcoming screenings and festival circuit and stuff, why don't we check out um, the trailer for the film and then pop back in? Does that sound good? Excited to share it. Yeah. Tell me about your father, Charlie. My father? <sighs> I don't really remember my, my father. I had to figure the world out. And tell me what you realized. I realized that our world is cruel. There is a fire in you, Charlie. All it took was one great bloody war to turn a generation of true-blooded Americans into stone-cold killers. Shall we begin? You're gonna like this, child. I don't fight for money, and I certainly do not fight for you. You would if you had an ounce of intelligence about you. Word is spread of Alexander the Brain, bloody patriot. 
world is cruel. Oh, but I can be crueler. Do you know why they call me the brain, Mr. Bali? It's because I'm such a bastard. That looks that looks totally awesome, guys. I know. Uh, badass. I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. No, That's can't wait. So okay, so we're really excited. Um, all right. So coming up uh this week actually is the local premiere, the public premiere of Alexander the Brain. So tell us all about the event. So the event's gonna be on Saturday, March nineteenth, from five to nine at the Erie Art Museum. We're gonna have uh, open food, hors d'oeuvres, snacks, little plates. Uh, we're going to have a cash bar, live music. Um, we're hosting a, a panel discussion about the future of film in Erie, some local prominent film figures, such as John Lyons. Um, <laughs> and um, we're really excited to, to you know, have our first company event and to premiere our film, but also to, to try to start more conversation around filmmaking in Erie and to show people that People are doing it. People are doing it here and enjoying it, having a lot of fun. And there's resources available, and it's very possible, not only for local people, but for people, you know, in the in the greater state or, or you know neighboring states. If they're looking for a place that is very film friendly, this is a place for it. And we want to keep that building and keep it growing. Yeah, we want to stress that this this is not just a premiere, but also like an oddity event. We really want to like bring more of that community interaction aspect to filmmaking as a whole um as well as just being so excited to show off like this baby that we've been working on for we've been for raising so many, yeah so many months at this point it's finally finally ready, ready to walk across the stage yeah and Aww. then oh look at little alexander Aww, his, his first fight alexander. look at him go oh <laughs> um, mustache binky yeah <laughs> And we can also say we'll, we'll have a, a really cool announcement to share at mm -hmm. the event. I can't really say too much, but yeah. it'll be uh, out of this world for sure. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah. And then, awesome. so, yeah, so, okay, the, after the premiere, I mean, of course, we're all looking forward to that. But, like, what happens after the premiere? Like, what is the future of Alexander the Brain? Well, we've already submitted to, I think, what, 18-plus festivals now? Mm -hmm. um, we we. Danny got Best Male Director at London Indie, was it Indie Film Festival? London Indie Shorts Festival, yeah. Indie Shorts Festival. Oh, thanks. Um, and <laughs> then also, there, I think we were semi-finalists in San Francisco International. No, we were finalists finalist. in uh, the San Francisco okay. Indie Film Festival, and uh, we recently also got accepted to the like uh, Los Angeles uh, Indie Short Awards, Independent Short Awards. Yeah, awesome. Um, so it's floating In multiple there. categories, which is uh, really exciting for us. Um, so, like... Part of it is, you know, the the classic build up reputation through your your film. We get as many people to see it as possible, and that's like the, the you know the festival circuit is a well established, well well known uh, way to just get your film to be seen by others and really like spread that message. Um, and uh, part part of that is you know building up to this this type of event where it's like, hey, like. You know, we're already starting to trickle in some of these uh, recognitions, uh, and we're excited to show it to you before it it hopefully just hopefully continues goes, launches yeah. launches the uh, the rest of the way. And if someone out there has the money for it, I do have a hour and a half version <laughs> of the movie that could be made. 
Okay, that's that's a yeah, that's an important important thing to get out there for sure, uh, and something that can be very useful for shorts, right? This short yeah. can serve as your proof of concept essentially, exactly, yeah. and show that uh, you all know what you're doing and can shoot a beautiful, uh, well structured, well acted, well yeah, storied we, film. We've definitely seen shorts as a, like a great way to like really punch in on specific stories and a- aesthetics. Um, you might be aware that we also co-produced a short blinded with um, distorted yes. vision productions, um, which has also started to gain um, some acceptances and awards from its mm-hmm. submission. So, you know, I feel like the shorts um, are a great way for us to really just prove in small doses, small affordable doses uh the uh, ability that that we can show with our work and our um, team building and our execution um and so but it's it's all definitely for the purpose of bigger and better for sure that's awesome uh and i want to give a, a thank you and a shout out uh, to your team as well for helping corinne justine on making her short funeral which we worked on together Absolutely. which was really awesome um how about let's talk a little bit about festival strategy because there's so many film festivals and it can get really expensive really fast (laughs) um what are kind of your you know how do you approach submitting to festivals and do you have um any tips for filmmakers like what are you looking for is it cities you want to go to do you look at how many years the festival's been around and kind of check out their sites and reputations like how do you how do you navigate those waters? Yeah, I'd say um, there's a few priorities you want to stick with right off the bat, and I think that comes down to the actual content. You know, that if when you associate like um, films about like sexuality or um, discrimination, you like might think of like Outfest, like these films that are specifically like tailored to certain types of movies. Um, for us, you know, that's the action, the historical. Um, genre so like we would look for festivals that you know were um you know running for several years established that also had very strong focuses on um the independent the action and the like historical um base and started with those where we could potentially get acceptances and awards uh early on in the process following uh any kind of accolades then we get into kind of like the the meta of promotion and um uh, utilizing some of the resources both through Film Freeway and as well as social media to like spread the message that we are getting in festivals and we are getting awarded, um, getting recognized for the work. Um, and that actually is a great way to get uh, attention from many other film festivals, which will often um, give you download uh, or sorry, discount codes or uh, in some cases, even free admission to or free admission or free a- application to the festival, um, which you know can greatly expand the number of festivals your film can get into without you necessarily like spending all that money up front. It's like be strategic as you start your submissions, try to gain some notoriety, and then at, if you are able to get awarded or recognized, then use that to like propel more uh, festivals to like want you instead of just like reached out greatly and you know the the follow-up to that is hopefully as you kind of build that more and more um you can uh get recognized maybe at a like larger festival a tribeca a tiff or any of those types of you know sundance shorts is like a massive uh you know that's that's the start of many many uh, an amazing feature film is 
is through that that program that they have there. So, but it's certainly a a, a strategy game to start building up <laughs> how to how to raise it without spending the the least amount of money. <laughs> Yeah, that's awesome. Those are really, really good tips. I just want to say, uh, you know, it's refreshing to have uh, you in the film scene because the film society's always been about collaboration and trying to connect filmmakers and having you with that like-minded approach right from the jump is, uh, it just warms my heart, really, to be Aww. honest. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, we were just saying, like, filmmaking doesn't even exist without collaboration, and there's, you know, when we're talking about some place like Erie, which really just doesn't, doesn't have that established um, mentality of, like, oh, Erie's a film town, oh, we have, like, f lots of filmmakers in Erie, it's like there's no there's no point in, like, being contentious over it, yeah. because it's like there's already not enough to, like, there's there's more than enough to go around i guess mm -hmm. in, in that case mm -hmm. but um uh, especially on the narrative side which is something that you know we always push for whether it's in our commercial work or or whatnot we really like we're filmmakers we're we're about cinema and if we can introduce cinema to our you know more uh corporate ventures then that's also something that we just always try to look for yeah and we're only walking in the path that the film society has paid so yeah very I much so i thank you guys for absolutely for, you know putting all that work in it's good to, it's good to have you good to have you in the family for sure well as we wrap up um and definitely everyone uh where can they go to get tickets and where can they go to find out more information about oddity so I'd say the the best place for all of that would be oddityproductions.com. Um, if you go to the work the work tab, and then in the very first column, there's Alexander the Brain. We have a whole page on Alexander the Brain with information of the film and a link to the Erie Art Museum website. So another place that's great to go for ticket sales specifically would just be erieartmuseum.org forward slash oddity. And then there you can find tickets for the event on Saturday, March 19th. Um, Yes. Yeah, uh, and we're we're also uh, constantly posting our new work on the website, new uh, reels, and like um, we're definitely looking to expand it even more beyond that. But uh, that's that's in the works. Yeah, and we we do post a lot of updates as well on our Instagram, yes. which is just at Very uh, much. Oddity Productions. Mm -hmm. O D D I T Y yeah. Productions. It's the one thing that we've really lucked out with is having a, a production company name that for some reason hasn't been like hasn't been scooped taken. up by every single on every single social media website yeah. and and whatnot so we're lucky yeah mm. yeah good name choice for sure well i i don't want to ask you the question of what's next because i feel like you're going to unveil some of that stuff at mm. the, event. the event um yeah so i'll just say we're excited to see uh what's next from you and yeah. thanks so much for being we're here very much looking to films. the future that's what i said yeah. definitely yeah thanks right. a lot guys Thank you. For right, thank us you. On. Appreciate it. That's been our episode. Thank you for listening. Make sure you follow the Film Society of Northwestern Pennsylvania and the Greater Erie Film Office on social media. Until next time, this was Film Grain. <laughs>